Blog Talk Radio. <laughs> Good afternoon, all. Happy Labor Day. You are on with Trisha Adams live, and our special guest is Ramona Smith, the 2018 World Champion of Public Speaking of Toastmasters International. Ramona won the award for public speaking, and her topic, her title was I'm Still Standing. And when I listened to it, and I heard it for the first time. I was like, yes, yes, and yes, and yes, and yes, and yes, and yes, and yes. And her schedule has been full of international travel. She's gone to Dubai. She's gone to Dhabi. She's gone to so many global places. And she has just walked out this year, 2018 to 2019, of being the reigning champion. And I'm so excited that she now has some downtime to come on my program and me present her to you. For those of you who don't know her, I have posted links of her winning speech on my LinkedIn profile, and also I have links as well within the show platform. I hope that you will gain something from her. I was listening to her story and she laughed at herself, and I think we can say that we're supposed to be able to laugh at ourselves. But some things, sometimes we can't laugh because it's just too painful. But the way that she was able to deliver her story, she delivered it as a boxer and a ring, and she went so many rounds and so many knockouts, but she was still standing. And as that relates to life itself, is that a lot of us are going through crises, some financial, some emotional, some physical, some medical things, whatever you're going through in life, when you woke up this morning on Labor Day 2019 and you're still breathing, you're still standing. It's not over. It is not over. And I welcome you. You are a native, uh, born and raised in Cleveland, Ohio. So even though you were born and raised in Cleveland, Ohio, you're still Texas. So yay for Ohio and yay for Texas. And in her bio, there's some really fascinating things about her story. So I'm going to read a little bit of it, and I'm going to turn the show over to her to maybe talk a little bit to us about how she came up with the topic of I'm Still Standing and hope that something will be said, something will be shared. During this time that we have her with us, out of her busy schedule on Labor Day, that whoever else is at home, wherever you are listening to this right now, listening to it later, whatever you decide to do, if you want to call in, you want to speak to her, to call in and speak to her, call 515-605-9704, and we will put you in queue and allows you to ask your questions of our guests. But when I said that she has traveled, she has gone to Dubai, Abu Dhabi, Oman, 
Qatar, Kuwait, Bahrain, Sri Lanka, and India. Ramona has a bachelor's degree in public relations with a minor in marketing from Baldwin Wallace University. She graduated magna cum laude. Ramona spends a great deal of her time traveling the world, delivering encouraging messages of hope, triumph, perseverance, leadership, and love. She's been featured on Forbes.com, Business Insider, Inc.com, and a number of other creditable news outlets. When she's not touring the world, you can find Ramona coaching and training aspiring speakers to go after their goals. In addition to being an educator, author, and poet, her greatest joy is being mother to her son. Her topics are women's empowerment, impact topics. She goes to corporate events, leadership, uh, corporate events for leadership, community colleges, universities, empowerment coaching, book signings, education, mentoring, conferences, and she has one where she is going to events dealing with childhood cancer and women's conferences and forgiveness and youth conferences, and above all else, finding your niche and high school speaking tips, and she has been on discussion panels. Once again, welcome to Patricia Adams Live. Oh, we are the champions of Rona Smith, and I want to just thank you again for taking the time out on Labor Day to come and speak to my audience. And I just want to say on round one, that's fascinating. So I, I want you just to start at round one, if you would, and then build this out, and I'm going to just be silent and let you have it. Thank you. Oh, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Um, lots of lots of love on um, this Labor Day. So thank you for having me on the show. As you mentioned, the speech is called Still Standing, and that was the second speech throughout the competition. For those of you who are unfamiliar with Toastmasters, when you compete in an international speech contest, there are several levels. When I competed in 2018, you start at the club level, you go to the area level, then the division level, then the district level, then the semifinals, and then the finals. I think this year in 2019, it was a little bit different. I think there were like a quarterfinal and a regional final or something like that. But in 2018, it was club, area, division, district, semifinals, and finals. All the way up from the club level to the semifinals level, I did a speech called Not Good Enough. And that was the speech that I continued to use throughout those levels until I got to the final stage. Now, when you get to the final stage, you have to have a completely different speech. And that's where Still Standing kind of came to life. Still Standing is like a revamped version of a speech that I did a couple of years ago when I competed in a speech contest but didn't quite make it past the district level, it was the revamp version of that speech that was called Unbreakable, where I talked about different challenges in my life and what I was going through currently in my life and just, you know, struggles and painful events that, that I had experienced. The reason why I didn't win with that speech Unbreakable was because it was more for me. I did not keep the audience in mind and what the audience needed. And when I was giving the speech, it was kind of depressing. And at the end, I, there was no turnaround. There was no, I went through all those things, but now I'm awesome, and I experienced all this pain and sadness and darkness, and now I'm in the light. <laughs> it was very depressing, and that, that left a negative imp impact on the audience, including the judges. And that's the reason why I didn't advance from the district club that year with that speech. And so I decided to 
kind of just rearrange that speech and take three different obstacles, which is the three different rounds, and talk about what happened a little bit and, and talk about what I experienced, but then at the end go back and revisit each of those points and each one of those rounds and say how I knocked it out or say how I got back in the ring and I came back and delivered that knockout punch. With round one, I talked about college. It's still kind of embarrassing, even though I'm pursuing my executive MBA at Prairie View now, but it's very embarrassing for me to talk about how I dropped out of college four times. It's a lot. In round one, it was about college, how I dropped out of college four times. I went to four different colleges, and I quit four different times. Then when I came back to talk about how I I triumphed over that situation, I talked about how after I had my son, I – I had to get it together. I had to get it together. And I didn't really go into a lot of detail because I only had seven and a half minutes. So the reason why I, I went back and I tried again and I, and I succeeded the, the, the fifth time around was because I became a mom. And when I became a mom, I, I knew that I had to get my life together for my child. And I knew that the only way that I was going to be able to ascend was through education. And I went back, and I ended up getting two degrees, and now I'm working on my third, and ultimately I'll get my PhD. But that was round one um, from Still Standing. Not sure if I should keep talking, but I'll keep talking. I'm a speaker. That's what I do. On the fifth time, I was talking on mute. I'm sorry. So on the fifth time, she graduated, got two degrees, magna cum laude, five times, mm-hmm. five times. So I am not embarrassed to hear your story. I am pleased that you persevered, and that's something that you talk about is perseverance. And it's important in life to get from one level to the next. And you said that if you were going to ascend, you had to ascend through education. Yes. Some people um, maybe not going to college, maybe going to vocational school, but in this society that we live in, education, whether you can't get very far if you don't have a high school diploma. Right. And having a degree or having a certification or a specialization in something will help you to ascend into whatever direction that you want to go in, but you have to at least lay the foundation so that you can build on that foundation. And building on the foundation is education. And whether that's a formal education or you sit down and you just take on a bunch of books or you go to the local workforce commission or you go to a junior college, or you go to a trade school, wherever you go, you need to have something that you can stand on that no one can take away from you, first and foremost. You have yeah. to have something that you have made your own, and she made her, her own, and she did it with excellence. So five is the number for grace, and so now that you've obtained grace, let's move on to round two, and I'll be silent. Round two, I talked about speaking, and it's it's funny because one of the previous world champions, he often says that speakers shouldn't speak about a speech contest during their 
speech. <laughs> However, I wanted to share my story. I wanted to share that experience because it was monumental for me. It was a moment where I had I, – I was down on myself. When I did not pass the district level in 2015, at that point I had all my eggs in one basket. And I know now that you should never do that, that that's not the – the correct way to go in pursuit of your dreams most of the time. Some people get lucky, and they put all their eggs in one basket, and it, and it works out. For me, that's not really the case on, on my journey. However, that year I put all of my eggs in one basket. I was the person going around claiming, I'm the 2015 world champion of public speaking. This is my year. I've got it. I was arrogant. I was arrogant. That ego, that ego. I was the biggest. I was the baddest. I was the best. I went in there competing against older people, you know, people maybe 20 years my senior, and I went in there and just had this cocky attitude that I have the best speech and I'm the best speaker in this room and I'm going to win. And then when I didn't, my ego was crushed. And naturally sometimes when we don't win or we we lose or we don't get the outcome that we anticipated or or had expected, we fall back from certain things. So I, I took a break from Toastmasters. I took a break from speaking because I was I was hurt. I was hurt because of my ego. Three years later, I went in with a completely different attitude. I didn't go in just for the win. I didn't go in just for the title and for the trophy. I honestly went in to, uh, and I always say this, to learn, grow, and have fun. The first time, I just went because I wanted to speak. I wanted to be the best speaker. I wanted to win. I wanted to show the world that I was this great, amazing speaker. However, as I mature, I know that I don't have to prove that. That's that's already in me. I, I already am that. I am what I am. What is it? I am that I am. I don't have to prove that I'm a great speaker because it just is. So in, in 2018, I went into learn, grow, and have fun, and I just it was just a natural process. It was effortless, and I moved through every competition with ease. And I talked about how in 2015 I, I lost and I was sad and I was crushed, but in 2018, it doesn't even matter if I won. It just matters that I'm on this stage that I that I had been dreaming about that I had always wanted to to to, to arrive on. Like I'm I'm here. Even if I don't win, I still arrive. And that was the beauty of that moment to understand the things that we have come from, or to to, to manifest the dreams that that in the visions that we've been having in our mind for years and years and years. And I just wanted that to be a moment of truth for anyone in pursuit of any goal or any dream. If you stay in it, you stay in the ring, you keep at it, you do some attitude adjustments and you have a, a stronger sense of self-awareness and, and you, you, you keep pushing and you keep following your bliss and following your dream, it'll happen. It'll happen. It may not happen the way you want it to happen, but it'll happen. That was round two, speaking in 2015 versus speaking in 2018. So going from winning in education, okay, I'm, I'm calling, you know, as you did a win in education, you obtained grace for that period because it took you five times. Then mm-hmm. you stayed out of Toastmasters for three years. Then you came back in 2018. When you came back, you were different. And I was listening to you. I've never seen you speak directly, been in the audience with you. But I could hear, even as you were explaining your transition, 
I could hear the shift. I could hear the change that that took place in you because you said mm-hmm. when I took the stage, it wasn't even about the stage anymore. It wasn't about the win anymore. And that's what people saw. What people saw in 2015 was that you young person, young pup, you've got people who've been trying to win this for 20, 25, 15 years, mm-hmm. and they could pick up on the fact that you thought that you were the best in the room. So mm-hmm. that's the thing about being in Toastmasters as a speaker. When you deliver a speech, it is they have a criteria that has to be followed, but at the same time, there's a lot of room for subjectivity. And right. you are judged by a lot of things and body language, movement, eye contact, inflection, all these things make up the speech. It's not that you can speak. It's can you connect with the audience. Right. So in 2015, you didn't make that connection. But then you went away, you thought about it, you got yourself together and came back. And this time you, it wasn't about even so much about connecting with them, you had connected with yourself. Because that's what I heard when you talked about uh, self-awareness. You came back with a stronger self-awareness of who you were. And you didn't need to prove it to anybody. You had already proven it to yourself. And so it was like, I'm here and I'm doing this now for the joy of doing it. I'm here now because I'm okay with me. I'm at peace with me, and I've connected with myself. And so because you made that connection with yourself, then you were able to move and present yourself in a totally different way. I, I can imagine when you were on stage, you probably felt a different way when you were on stage. You know, what I'm saying? It's like when you're, when you're in your zone and you're flowing, you can feel it. Mm-hmm. You can feel it when you're firing on every single piston. You can feel the energy flowing through yourself that you're in sync with yourself. It's not whether you made that connection with the audience, but it's that I'm okay with me. I, I'm, you know, my myself is together here, and I'm presenting yes. to you and the audience, not just my words, but I'm presenting to you myself, my image, and you came back and you were humbled by what you had gone through. And and so I heard that. I heard the shift when you were talking about it, that, yeah, you went through a transition, and then I had a flash in my mind about India Irene that year that she thought she had it and she won, and the look on her face when she didn't win, that was, Mm. you know, and and she went away and she was upset and everything, and then she came back. But when she came back, she was humbled. And so that, that was kind of like that moment. So now... We go 2018, three years later, and you have won. But in round two, you had some struggles that you had to overcome. And I'm okay if you don't want to share those. So let's transition to round three. And we do have a caller that's called in. And uh, caller 5762, I see you. We will get back with you in just a moment. So, Ramona, do you want to talk about round three now, or do you want to take this uh, question from the caller? I'll take the call. Do you want to take the question? The call, yes, the question. Okay, okay, okay. Good afternoon. Greetings in the name of the Father, Son, 
the Holy Spirit. Can you hear me? Yes, yes. Good afternoon. First off, I want to give the sister props for just really doing something that it takes a lot. When you speak, vibrations, the sounds, the energies, all those things are important. And people's ears are like bats. Even though that you, they can't see you, sonically they can feel your energy. So if you have no energy behind your words, that's like a, a sad situation. My question is, how do you overcome the personal side of things before you get on that stage? Because a lot of people talk about the after the fact, once you won the championship, while you were putting everything together behind the scenes, how do you, like, overcome the everyday, day-to-day, daily living activities? You know, sometimes you might argue with one of your friends, and because you are trying to get your mind right, how do you still put together the right words to say to be that champion that you are? Thank you, Carla. And uh, Ramona? That's a great question. Thank you for the question, and thank you for the call. For 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 me personally, I I don't. It's not a whole lot of drama or negativity in my life. That that that's that's for one. That's for sure. And if I know I'm I'm preparing, especially if I'm preparing for something big like that, I have to get away from anything that I won't answer. If I know somebody's calling with drama, I'm not going to answer my phone. If I feel some negative vibes, I'm turning the other way. I have to keep my mind right and keep my mind. I have to put boundaries and, and blocks, and 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 I have to keep everything secure and safe. So whatever negativity, I don't, I don't, I don't invite it in. I don't let it in. I, I turn the opposite way. I'm a firm believer in creating the life that I want to live, and I'm a firm believer in the law of attraction. And so, I don't attract too much negativity because it's not on the inside of me. It's not what I'm. It's not, it's not what I'm being. I don't be that, so I, I don't attract that. I, I honestly feel like in 2018 it was just aligned. It was just supposed to happen. So every my, my path was free of obstacles. My path was free of too many challenges and difficulties. I didn't really have too much negative things to 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 be worried about. But if I did or, or something like that, or, or for, for those of, of us who are experiencing negativity and, and we have to get on that stage, you have to learn how to filter it, learn how to block it out. Don't engage in arguments. If somebody wants to argue, you know what, you have a great day. That's not who I am right now. I'm walking away. You just have to learn how to dodge and learn how to avoid it and learn how to go within yourself and find peace within yourself, whether it be through prayer meditation, reading a book, taking a hike, taking a walk, uh, find that inner peace within you. And I I truly believe that once you have inner peace within yourself, you're not going to attract too many negative things. And even if something negative does come your way, you know how to kind of bob and weave. (laughs) Another boxing term, like bob bob and weave it. So if you have, just try to avoid any negativity because if you do, like say you get into an argument before your husband, with your husband or your wife before you get on stage, it is going to affect your energy. It is going to affect your performance. And me personally, I want to be as pure as possible to receive whatever message is coming from a higher power to, to be that vessel, to, to give it as purely and as clearly as I possibly can. So I hope that answered the question. Yes, ma'am, you sure did. And I have one more question, and I'll step out the way. 
uh, being that we live in such a, a digital age and when you walk past people, everybody's on their cell phone digesting information that 280 characters every 15 seconds, uh, how do you feel about the lost art of personal conversation? What, what do you feel about that? Because most people won't pick up the telephone and say, hey, I love this show. They'll send an email. They'll send a text. But they won't interact live. And when you're public speaking, if it's a thousand people, you're speaking out. So it's hard to make eye contact with everybody in the room. After being a pastor for over 12 years and being living in 40 out of 50 states, uh, how do you feel about the on demand and everybody looking at their phone as opposed to having personal conversations? How do you feel about the dynamic of that? Well, honestly, I feel like since it's becoming something that we don't do very often, when it does happen, it's more meaningful. If I, I just had a workshop down here in Texas, a public speaking workshop, and when I was speaking, the majority of the time I had everybody's attention. Now, I had some people who were recording me during the session, and that was fine, but for the most part, everyone's eyes were, were locked on me. So I understand that times change and things change. I don't know what the next technological change is going to be, if we're going to have cell phones implanted in our hands or screens on our foreheads, I have no idea. But ultimately, we're, we're still humans. And as humans, we need physical interaction. We need, phys- we need hugs. We need smiles. We need laughter. We need some type of real live engagement. And so I feel like by us living in a time where everybody is on their phone and everybody is, the, the, the kids have the AirPods or the earbuds in that when you're in that space with, with people or with someone and you can set the tone and you can control the environment and I can say, look, I want to have this one-on-one time with you or I want to have this experience with all 150 of you guys, so let's put our cell phones away for now because you with your cell phone, even if it's on the table, whether it's face down or not, when you have that and we're trying to have this intimate conversation, you're telling me that I'm not important enough for you to, to put that phone away. So I feel like now that we're living in this age that we're our phones are like stuck to our hands, when we do make that personal connection, it's more meaningful. It's more meaningful now because they're actually taking the time away to actually engage and invest. So I try to take advantage of it. I love face-to-face. I love person-to-person. I love phone calls. I love sitting down with my friends and we, we're all not texting or checking Facebook or posting on Snapchat and Instagram. So, I mean, mean, we have to roll with the times, and I understand it. But if you can control whatever environment you're in and and you can tell them to, you know, guys, let's take a break from our cell phones, I feel like they'll be a little bit more engaged, Uh, one, because you set that boundary, and two, because ultimately we really just just want that contact for real. We we want that person-to-person engagement. Even if we are distracted by our phones, ultimately – having somebody look at you and smile or look at you and point to you and say, yes, this message is for you, that's going to feel good. Awesome. Hey, man, I am blown away. Yeah, I'm I'm blown away. My name is Pastor Don Jr., CEO. I'm moving around the city. It is Monday, Labor Day. I'm still working. Um, I, I just... Support real people doing real things, and it's good to have sisters holding it down, especially in the radio broadcasting industry. So y'all keep doing what y'all doing. I love y'all. My name is Pastor Dondre and CEO of the Entertainment Worldwide Network. Our broadcast network goes out to 3 million listeners globally, 25 AM and FM radio markets domestically. I will be reaching out to the actual host 
and on other platforms to really help put amplify this message because you can have a great conversation, but if people can't hear what you're saying, it doesn't count. So I, I really appreciate y'all so much. Thank you Thank so you very much, much. And I look forward to hearing from you. Thank you. And how did you how did you um, hear about the show? May I ask so that I'll know how to look for you. Okay, it's a uh, pastor at D O N J R C E O Don Junior C E O. We've been on over forty five hundred radio broadcasts like this. I'm running for president in twenty twenty four. I just had to support another powerful public speaker, and then the sister, you dropping great questions, dropping great knowledge, doing her this is your life and her history. And so this is good energy, good meat. That's why I want to reach out to you and amplify your message. I got it from my twelve interns. I didn't know you exist until they gave me a text. Once I got the text, I called the show, and I was blown away. I was like, oh, my God. We just celebrated 21 years of being in business. So I'm just I'm blown away by, by the technology now, and everybody gets a platform. Back in the day when radio and before the Wi-Fi was only radio, so that's why I asked the question I asked about the actual communication, and you knocked it out the park. I mean, like, I'm really impressed, very impressed with both of y'all folks. Thank, Thank you. you so much, Josh, for calling, and hope you hear from me again soon. And you have a safe Labor Day. You too. I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be here listening. Don't hang up on me. I want to hear the okay, rest of the okay. show, y'all. I'm taking notes. All right, notes. Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go back to our guest and let her uh, go on. And if you have another question, I'll come back to you. Thank you, Miss Ramona. Yes, I'm here. I'm clapping for you. Yay! <laughs> outstanding, 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 outstanding. Yes, you know. So it's going from grace to grace, and getting stronger, and knowing who you are, setting boundaries. I mean, you have to have boundaries. You have to have boundaries because if you don't, it's like everybody and anybody will invade you. You know, mm-hmm. and and it's just like if you don't have a wall or I remember as as a kid, I grew up kind of like in a walled space, you know, for most of my life. But then there were other times where I lived where it was like people just walk across your grass. <laughs> they would mm. come from their yard to your yard. And they, you know, it was like there was a sidewalk where they just would walk from grass to grass. Mm-hmm. And if you said something to them, like, why did you walk across my grass? It was like, you didn't have anything here to stop me. You didn't right. say anything. So you you have to have boundaries. And, and I think that when you said that during the time that you were prepping for this contest in 2018, you pretty much had control. I don't want to say control, but you had set and established boundaries and how you would handle distractions and who you would let in your inner circle and who – you would not let in your inner circle. And if somebody came to you with negativity, you know, you would shut it down or say, you know, now's not time. I'll get back with you later and kept it moving. And that's something that a lot of people aren't able to do. And mm-hmm. the fact that you were able to do that is huge. And that's like what he was saying as a pastor. And you're standing in the pulpit and you're looking out at your audience, and they're either, some people are texting the message, some people are just flat out texting. I mean, we're in a totally different time now that we didn't have cell phones, and it was so funny when you said, maybe we're going to have screens in our forehead. <laughs> 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 and I'm like, God forbid, you know, 
I'm into technology, but I don't want it in my forehead. You know, I don't know right. where they're going to put it, but I really don't want to walk around with a phone in my head. I really don't. I got enough going on up there. I don't need a phone in my head. But now we've covered round one, round two. Now let's get to round three. All right, now. Actually, you know, actually, but actually, you know, you kind of skipped over something because I really, truly like round two. I mean, I'm going to circle back on round two because you really didn't talk about this. And so if it's off limits, just say, I don't want to talk about that right now. So when you're talking about being married, do you want to talk about that? Yes or no? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Round two. Oh, okay. right, 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 right. Round two, marriage. Round three was speaking. Okay. I'm getting yes. my, I get my rounds confused sometimes. Oh, yeah, we can talk okay. about that. Yes. That's all right. Okay. I so married, and it wasn't funny. I know it wasn't funny to you when you were going through it, but you know, you you like you know round two, da 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 da. You know, marriage, wow, wow. You know, and I'm thinking like, yeah, you know, she's pretty talk about you know they had some ups and downs and they overcame them, and then you came and you dropped the bomb, and I was like, oh, are you serious? <laughs> so I'm gonna let you tell the audience about round two. Okay. Yeah, I'm sorry about that, people. I got my rounds messed up because um, with the with the speech, I do at first I go round one college, round two marriage, round three speaking. But at the end, I flip it around to round one still college. Then I'll talk about speaking. Then I end up with marriage. So sorry, got it confused. But yes, so round two is actually marriage, and round three was the speaking. So whatever I said about that earlier was. Meaningful, but it was just I got the rounds messed up, but that's okay. Marriage, okay. <laughs> I am definitely no expert on marriage. That's that's for sure. I'm not a marriage counselor. I'm not a marriage expert. I'm not a certified marriage anything. I was married for a year, basically. We got married in April. We got married April fourth of two thousand fourteen. And we got divorced in March of 2015. I don't remember the date, so I wasn't even married for a year. It was it was very brief. People often say, well, how do you get married for a year? And what? Well, how does that happen? And how does it crumble that fast? Well, when you don't have a foundation, when there's nothing to stand on, when you didn't build a framework with this person or you didn't plan or you didn't go through – the preparation, like we didn't go to marriage counseling, I didn't read any books about marriage, I didn't really do the work, and so for some people, you don't have to, some people, oh, I met my husband uh, 30 days afterward, after we met, we got married, been married for 30 years, that's not the case with me, with me, I have to, first of all, there has to be a certain level of love and respect. And when you rush into things, it's hard for me. If I rush into a relationship, it's hard for me to build that respect and it's hard for me to build that love for that person because I have no idea of who you really truly are. With my marriage, I wanted to be a wife. I know, I'm sorry, I wanted a husband, but I didn't want to be a wife. I'm, I'm going to say that again. I wanted a husband, but I didn't want to be a wife. And that's not going to work in a marriage because it has to be two people giving the same amount of effort. Like and then if if the effort is not able to be given, the other person has to be able to step up. Like there's a lot of emotion that that comes with it. There's a lot of emotional responsibility. There's a lot of emotional responsibility. If my husband's not feeling well, then I have to see what's wrong with him, and I have to make sure that I'm in a space where 
I'm not trying to kick him while he's down or I, I can be patient with him and understanding and try to be that support system and that rock for him when he's going through something. I didn't feel like it. I didn't want to. And that's not fair. And that's not fair. And he was a great man, excellent protector, excellent provider. And like I said, probably one of the most handsome men I ever met in my life. So there was nothing wrong with him. He was, you know, he was, he was darn near perfect. It was me. It was me. I, I didn't realize how much it took to be a wife, and I just wasn't willing to put in the work. I just didn't. I didn't want to. I didn't. I didn't feel like it. And so that's why my marriage didn't. It didn't last. It didn't make it. And that's okay. It was a learning experience. Do I want to be married again? Sure. Why not? Do I have to be? No. I'm fine with where I am right now. But the reason why my marriage uh, didn't last was because I wasn't willing to put in the work. And I wanted the title of wife without the responsibility. I wanted to say I had a husband, but I didn't know what to do with my husband. So that's that. Lessons learned. Wow, Ramona. <laughs> when I, I've already given you a kudos on LinkedIn, and I don't think I can give you another one, maybe for another week. <laughs> But I, I am going to owe you a kudos on LinkedIn. I'm making a note to myself to give a kudos <laughs> to Ramona. So I was like, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Ladies, gentlemen, did you hear that? Did you hear that? She did not want to do the work. She did not want to build a foundation. She did not want to do the framework. And we know that if a woman is not engaged or a man is not engaged, in the relationship, it's all one person. It's all one person because if a person is not wanting to be a wife, not wanting to be a mother, not wanting to be there, the other counterpart to the other part, so that you guys are both giving 100%. And she said, I failed at marriage, not because of him, but because of me. I didn't want to do the work. I wanted the title. And I've, I've done interviews with um, some other people on the show, and they wanted the title of being a first lady, or they wanted this, and they wanted to have the perception of power and prestige, but mm-hmm. they didn't want to really deal with the underbelly of what right. came with the title, the power and prestige. They didn't want that. They just wanted to have a gift box and look pretty and have all the access to all this and all that granted to them, but not do the work. And I, 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 I'm serious. I, if I had a thousand hands, I would clap so loud. (laughs) So because we, not just as women, as men need to hear that level of transparency, that level of transparency is so important because if you are not ready to do the work, then don't sign up. And if you sign up, be gracious enough to know when to say, okay, you know, we didn't do this the right way. We didn't do this in order. And we should have done this in whatever it takes, you know. We can go and we can move on. I wish you well and keep it moving. But somehow or another, we have to denigrate and emasculate the men. 
in a situation. Mm. Even if they weren't 100%, if they were 50% or 60%, you have to take them all the way down to zero. And then if the woman mm. wasn't 50% or 75%, we got to reduce her to zero just so mm. that we can say, you know, we can save face or we can have that mm. one upmanship. So this, this thing of competing with one another, when you get in a, in a, mm-hmm. in a relationship with somebody, you aren't supposed to be competing against them. You know, that's when you talk right. about that negative charge, that negative energy. You aren't supposed to be competing with them. You aren't trying to bring them down. You aren't trying to tear them down, say one thing about them in public, but another thing behind closed doors. So that you're sending out all these mixed signals. So I interviewed several other people on the show, men in particular, who had gone through marriages like, not like yours, but I'm saying marriages like what I just said, where it's that mm-hmm. in public, you know, they were the cat's meow. They were, you know, just built up on a pedestal. But once they were in private, it was all of the opposite things. And so you to come out off the bat and just say, hey, you know, bottom line, I know the reason why my marriage didn't work is because I didn't want to do the work. I didn't want to do the foundation. I didn't want to do the framework. You didn't want to build a house. And what was that? I hate to say this. The blues, the blues Vanguard says, you know, turn this house into a home. You know, it's like you didn't even want to get past the house to get to the home. <laughs> right. Right. I thank you. That's real. I though. thank you. I thank you. That that's powerful. If nothing else is said and nobody takes anything else away from this round two, round two. I will not call that a loss. I call that a win. Even though you know you went through a divorce, the fact that you are now at this position means that you know, I'm content where I'm at. And now, this time around, this time around, I'm willing to put in the work. I'm willing to lay the foundation. I'm willing to build a house. I'm willing to make a home. That's so important. That's so very important. And I just want to thank you for sharing that. And so we've already done round three. And round three was speaking and basically, you know, not winning in 2015, laying out for three years, coming back in 2018, humbled and connected with yourself. Therefore, you were able to connect with your audience. And when I saw you on the international stage, let's go from the district, from winning at the district and moving on to the semifinals and then on to the finals. Okay, so do you want to call those rounds or do you just want to leave them just like that? I can just leave it like that because I don't want to confuse myself again. (laughs) Okay, well, okay, so now – We've talked about round two. Round two was her dropping out of college four times, succeeding on the fifth time, coming out with two degrees, not even come live. Round two, marriage, less than a year, eight months, divorce, because she wasn't ready to take the responsibility of being a wife. Round three, going back into the speaking arena, this time she comes away with wins at the district level. And now from the district, she has to go through the semifinals in the international speech competition before she can get to the actual stage that she wins on at that level. So there's the win all the way up to the district level, then the win at the semifinals, then the win on stage. Now that's momentum. That's momentum because there is a layover after the district. Yeah. You know, I mean, that, that, that time gap that dormancy in there, what did you do between the time that you wanted the district in preparation to get to the semifinals? Well, it was about four months between the the mm-hmm. district 
competition in the in the semifinals. In that time, you know, I was teaching. I was a teacher, you know, and I had my son, and I did a little preparation, but I, I really didn't start preparing until it got a little closer to the semifinals, and that's when I started putting putting most of the work in. I, I, I tried not to think about it too much and not to overdo it, and like I said, keep putting all my eggs in one basket and just trying to obsess over it because I've, I've, I've noticed throughout my journey that when you when you go – how can I – trying to word it without using too much jargon when you i guess the only word is just when you when you when you force it and you stress it and you 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 try to make everything about that like you become obsessed with it when you obsess over something i feel like it creates some type of resistance and I've experienced that in relationships, like when I really, 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 really like somebody, ooh, want to call you all the time, ooh, want to text you all the time, ooh, want to lay up with you all day and just spend all my time with you, ah. And then the person starts to say, oh, oh you, you're doing a little too much, fall back. So I took that same mentality into the preparation for the semifinals. I, I know what I want to do. I know what I want to say. I know how I'm going to do it. I know how I'm going to say it. And when it's time for me to prepare, I'll put that. I'll set that time out for preparation. Otherwise, I'm gonna keep living my life normally, teaching, spending time with my son, spending time with my family. I didn't stress it too much. I would say this, Amelia. I would hate to meet you in the humorous speech competition. <laughs> I don't think you realize you are funny. You're not, in, you know, trying to be funny, but you are really funny to me. I can't speak for anybody else, but to me, you are funny because it's right when you think that she's going to say X, Y, Z, that you come back and you say something just off the cuff. You know, it's like one minute you're searching for the word and the next minute you come out, and it's just like, blah. <laughs> <laughs> this is what it was, but it's so transparent. It's so real. It's so genuine. It's so authentic. So, again, it's like I'm still trying to wrap my mind around that whole explanation of what you just said. And it was like for those four months after the the district um, win, you basically courted yourself, if you would, um, for lack of, 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 of putting it in a different analysis. Because you said something about when you met someone, you know, you wanted to spend all your time with them, then they say, you know, fall back. So you said that's what I did here instead of obsessing over it or the possibilities, I just fell back. And so it's like you just went with the flow. You just went about right. existing your everyday life, and you spent like maybe the last 30 days prior to really, really engaging and preparing yourself for the actual semifinal, right? Right. Okay. I, but it's just the fact that you were so transparent about that. And it's like, you know, oh, hold up, fall back, fall back. <laughs> so that's what I did. I just fell back. <laughs> like, okay, all right. She just fell back yeah. and just went on about her life and did what she had to do. And so now, still hearing you talk about your ebbs and your flows, your highs and your lows, still, you still focus. That's that's the one thing that I keep hearing is that you were focused. You were focused on the task at hand, and you weren't barring. In advance, you just focus on what was in front of you. Okay, so I'm going to go back and see if uh, the caller has another question for you, okay? Do you mind? Okay. 
Oh, I don't mind. Go for it. Okay. Hello. Yeah, I, I definitely did. I do, man. I, I have a lot of questions. I, I never run well, out of okay, questions, now. but uh, we can't have a lot. But I'm gonna have to <laughs> kick, kick one because like, we, you know, she has a lot of ground to cover. So if you could just pick one, just pick one for us, would you? Well, let me ask, and maybe I might be uh, really personal, but uh, what do you listen to and what influenced you? Like, who are some of your favorite public speakers that got you excited about public speaking at an early age? Okay. Hmm. That's, 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 that's interesting because I, when I, was, I knew that I wanted to be a public speaker when I was 19, but at that point, I didn't even know it was a profession. I didn't, I didn't know that you could do it for money. You know, I didn't grow up in a, in a, in a neighborhood. I didn't go to a school where, you know, my, my, my uncle was in Toastmasters or my aunt was this amazing motivational speaker. I didn't have that. I didn't have that point of reference. I remember when I was, I think I might have been in middle school or high school, and this one lady came, and she spoke at our school and she really touched me and I remember she had on like these heels and she was just all over the stage so I don't remember her name or I don't even remember what she talked about but I just remember her energy and her presence and her confidence so that was the first time I experienced something like that now when I got a little bit older I started listening to a guy named Wayne Dyer and he he passed away a few years ago but Wayne Dyer is uh, he's an older white gentleman, older European guy who would just talk about flow and being connected and following your bliss and things. And I was introduced to that, to the concept of the movie The Secret and, and things like that. And then I started drawing closer to Tony Robbins because I liked his energy and I liked what he was saying and I liked his mission and I liked the fact that he was going all over the world with this positive message. But if I had to pick my favorite, my favorite public speaker in general, I have to go with uh, Barack Obama. I saw one of his speeches when I was in college for like the second or third time. Don't remember, but I saw one of his speeches and just his body language and the, the tone of his voice and his his confidence. Of course, he's fine. No offense, uh, Mrs. Mo- Mrs. Michelle, but um, he, he's fine. So he's nice to look at, and I just love the way his voice sounds. And I like Maya Angelou as well. I like Maya Angelou. I like, I, I love that her spirit comes out of her mouth. When she opens, I, I promise you, I know that this was in a song, but it, I think it was like in a Kanye West song. They said, every time I open my mouth, a piece of God comes out. That's how I feel about Maya Angelou. So I, when I was younger, I didn't really have any favorites, but now I can say uh, former President Barack Obama, Maya Angelou. I love Tony Robbins. I like Iyanla Van Zant. And who else do I like? I think that's all I can think of at the moment. Wow. All I can say is wow. Did that answer your question? Well, that was a great one. Um, last question. What, what, what's your best, what's your favorite quote, your favorite three to five quotes of all time? Three to five quotes of all time. You know what? I was actually thinking about that. Let me go find my book because I wanna I wanna get it verbatim. 
All right. Let me grab this book. We'll really be here when you get back. Right here. No, I'm not here. I might have just had to grab it off the table. <laughs> and it's actually from Maya Angelou. Because she, um, she's, she's like my godmother. <laughs> that is like my godmother. Never met her, never talked to her, but I, um, I love her. I think I'm almost there. Let me see. She said something that was just powerful. And it's a message to us. It's a message to the young people. But it's a message to people of color. It's a, a, a responsibility that we have. So if I could find it, I would love it. If I can't find it, then I'll have to paraphrase. But I, I, I don't want to disrespect her words, and I want to get it verbatim. Hmm. Come on, Maya, help me find it, Dr. Angelou. Okay, here it is. Okay. So Dr. Maya Angelou said people have written and sang and pirouetted and fought and cried and died to give you the privilege of being black and proud in America, but how soon we forget. And whenever I think about that, I'll say it again. Whenever I think about that, though, it, it just empowers me to just go harder with, and I, excuse the jargon, when I say go harder, I mean work harder. I mean pursue more of, of, of my dreams, to, to meet more people, to inspire more people. That's what I mean when I say go hard. It means work harder, do better, improve, personal improvement, self-development, all that good stuff. She said, people have written and sang and pirouetted and fought and cried and died to give you the privilege of being black and proud in America. And what that means to me is that when you take a look at the history from the beginnings of whenever the transatlantic slave trade started to now, and you think about the people who who survived and the people who gave up their lives and the people who even if they just did one thing to to make us be able to have the freedoms that we have now. We owe them. We owe them our success. We don't owe them mediocrity. We don't owe them, okay, I just have this nine to five and then I go home and live in my bubble. No, we owe them success. We owe them greatness. We owe them, uh, who, I don't even know. We owe them this profound state of being because of what they had to go through to get us to where we are today. So that's my favorite quote. I'm a firm believer success comes. I'm still here. I'm a firm believer success comes by applying wisdom and information and empowering education. And what you just said is a mouthful, and I thank God that they did our forefathers, and I'm not talking about the ones on Mount Rushmore. I'm talking about the people, the moms, the kings, the, the people who put it down that really changed our world by words. And the last thing, um, I feel that uh, this is a year of confirmation. When you add up two, one, and nine, you get 12, and one, and two is three. That's a triangle. Only shape that can't be broken. And it's, uh, it, it's immeasurable how... This one thing, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit can hold all of us up. I want to know, how do you feel about the almighty power, just word in general? Just, I mean, written word, spoken word, whatever is no wrong answer to this question. But I see the power of words change your life. Uh, what kind of advice and how do you feel about the power of words from your perspective? 
Well, we, we, we know that this life and death, the, 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 what is it, the power of life and death is in the tongue. And, and words do hurt, and words do have a, 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 a strong impact on, on, on people in general. I often tell people who want to be speakers or people who already are speakers who just want the platform or who just want to do it to make money or who just want to do it to say that they're doing it, that's fine. But I, I'm, 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 I'm not just a speaker because I want to make money from it. Speaking is not my career. Speaking is my life. And so I tell aspiring speakers or people who are already speaking and kind of want to learn more about what it means to them, I tell them, first of all, it's not about you. So if you're just doing it for the money, then God have mercy on your soul. If you're just doing it for the money, I, I good luck to you. Because when you have that much power over, even if it's only two people, and they have your full, complete attention, you have a piece of them in the palm of your hand. Just think about the last concert you went to. The last concert I went to was the MC Hammer concert, and Dougie Fresh opened up for MC Hammer. And when Dougie Fresh said, everybody, everybody, throw your hands in the air, what did all 20,000 of us do? We threw our hands in the air. When Dougie Fresh said, ladies, say hey, every single lady said hey. When he said, fellas, say ho, every single fella said ho, that's power. That's power. And you think about one of the most, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? One of the best speakers in history. That's, that's, the, that's all I got right now in my mind. One of the best, most powerful speakers in history was Hitler. Think about that. It was Hitler. And think about all the terrible things that, that happened because of the words he spoke. So when you have that much influence over people, you have to be careful with what you say. That's why you have to really understand what your message is, who your audience is, and what you're trying to give to this audience. So I feel like the power of words is is it's a huge responsibility, and it's not anything to be taken lightly. With great power comes great responsibility. Being a speaker is very powerful, so we have to watch what we say, and we have to watch what we put into our own minds because what we put in our minds com- comes out of our mouth, and the words that come out of our mouth can change someone's, someone's life. It can cause someone to put the gun down when they're about to commit suicide, or it can cause somebody to go ahead and jump off that building. Amen. 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 I'm moving out the way, man. I'm Pastor Dondre and CEO. And man, that was really, really great. I, I support you, both y'all sisters and children. So I'm going on mute. I'll be right here for the rest of the show. Thank you. Ramona, Ramona, Ramona. Okay. You are on track. You're on track. When you said that about Hitler. Um, and then when the pastor said that about our ancestors, Matthew and Martin, for me, I think about um, just just going back, how many of the slaves who were transported who did not make it to the shore. A lot of them, you know, ended up being thrown overboard. A lot of them died on the way. And then to get here and to be separated and sold and and, and you know, hung and quartered and all kinds of things. And the fact that you're still standing, we're only 12 to 14% of the whole population, and we're still standing. And one of the things that I did see, and I hope that 
maybe this is something that you can add to your your platform when you're talking about empowerment. I saw the Nielsen report on the fact that 14% of the population outspends the other 86%. We are the highest consuming group of all other groups. We have over a, you know, in the trillions of dollars of spending power. And I posted it on my LinkedIn profile. And I was like, how is it that we are consuming so much? And you know what they said we mostly consume? Our beauty products, hair products, things like that. It's like, you know, we aren't consuming things that are, we aren't consuming things that we can pass down. You can't pass down a weed. You can't pass down eyelashes. All these things. You can't pass down, you know, makeup and nails and, and sh- you know, all these things. And, and I was listening to another lady walk in, and I was at another meeting, and this lady walked in. She had on a beautiful top and just a beautiful outfit, and I complimented her on it. And she said, you know, where I got this from? She said, my son-in-law's mother died, and she was a shopaholic. And her closet was full, and her son invited me into her closet to pick whatever I wanted. And I thought, you know, I felt the pain of that. (laughs) I felt the pain of that. But to that son, he would rather his mother-in-law have it than it go out on the street to somebody else. But I'm just saying overall she had consumed so much that she had so much, you know, left behind. But the things that we are supposed to leave behind goes back to the quote that you spoke about with Mike Angelou, that we have a responsibility, not just for the Malcolms and the Martins and the Meckers and, and all that, but for those who didn't make it across the waters, for those who did make it across the waters, and for those that we are descended from. And because we are here now in America, we are mixed. A lot of us are mixed. We're not just straight you know, traceable all the way 100% back to our origin, our point of origin. But here we are, and somewhere between the 50s and the 60s, we lost we lost sight of all of that. And now we, we are probably about four to five generations down in a lot of ways. And it takes about four generations to actually – obtain true wealth, but we are back back about five generations when it comes to accruing and holding wealth and passing wealth as a people. Some of us have, maybe 1%, 2% of us have, but I mean as a whole collectively. We used to do that. I used to see it. I used to hear it. I used to know about it as a child that every business that I saw was, you know, owned and operated by. And now it's like, okay, it's just very different. So when you talk about the power that Hitler had over people, he had the the gift of persuasion. So that's one of the, the books that's in Toastmasters when you're studying to do different, you know, specializations on your way to the road to the distinguished Toastmaster. One of the books that I did was the one on persuasion. And when you talked about Hitler, I mean, he was very persuasive. And because he was persuasive, he gained influence. And once he gained the influence, then he got the power. 
So they kind of walked in tandem, you call it the pip, if you want to, but he started out with a message to persuade the people. And then they began to influence others to come and join and to follow. And then the power that came with the gathering, the group of connections of people who were coming together with light and mind to annihilate uh, an entire uh, nation of people. But they you know, didn't succeed, but still, as a speaker and speaking the word, we have to be aware of how we do that, even as a mother, as a father, speaking to your children, speaking to your your membership, speaking to people on your job, when you have been given the opportunity to influence people, you have to be very careful what how you persuade them and how you treat them because all these things roll into who you are and they eventually come back to you. You know, I believe in reciprocity. I believe that you cannot so just all of the negative power and persuasion and influence and not see it come back in your life. When you are on the stage and you're speaking to people, you said something about Maya, and I will confirm what you're saying. I never thought about it the way that you did. You said every time she opened her mouth, it was somehow I was seeing God. And I, too, was an avid fan, still an admirer of Maya Angelou. I wanted to meet her. That was on my bucket list. And she passed away, and I thought, oh, my God. So mentoring and someone making an impact on your life that you never met before, that's huge. You said, I don't care what anybody says. That was my godmother. <laughs> that was my godmother. Whether she knew it or not, that was my godmother. And mm-hmm. to talk about how she said that we have a responsibility to all of those who have gone before us to stand and to stand tall and to build and to hold up and make other people accountable for how we are joined as a people. As a people, we're only 14% of the population. And we have so many things that we have to overcome so many things that we have to do. So I don't want to make this about color because at the end of the day, I, I'm wanting to build a foundation that's about humanity. And what happens to one race, one nation of people happens to all of us. We're all human beings having a human experience in this world. And until we come together and realize, hey, how I treat you, whether you're black, white, brown, yellow, whether you're male, female, is all important. It all matters. It all adds up at the end of the day. So when you're speaking to people, I know that you're not just speaking to one race of people. You are speaking to people of all walks of life. You've gone to Abu Dhabi. You've gone to Bahrain. You've gone to uh, Sri Lanka and India. And you have met people from all walks of life, all walks of life, whether they believe the way you believe or they express themselves the way you're, you had the ability to influence them, to persuade them. Obviously, you have the gift of persuasion because they kept inviting you. You know, you just don't go from Dubai and suddenly end up in Abu Dhabi. 
because <laughs> somebody had to be influenced and persuaded to invite you to come. And once you came, then it just went on and on and on, and the invitations were still there because people still remember, and they say people remember how you make them what feel. This is this is deeper than I thought we were going to get. This is, this is so much bigger than I thought we were going to get. I mean, I kid you not because I, but one of the things that I like about doing interviews and radio is just being organic, just being able to be authentic with people. I don't, I don't have a script. I listen to the people that I'm going to interview. I listen to what they have to say. I read what they have to say. And I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm fed on what you put out. So that when I'm talking to you, I want to be able to relate to you and I want you to be able to relate to the audience because I don't know who's going to be listening, who's going to listen later, who's listening now, even though, you know, we've got questions, you know, on the studio platform. There are people who are are plugged in and Twitter, Facebook, just all over. And my, my audience has gone as far as Turkey. So I have a demographic map that shows me where my platform is reaching. So it has gone internationally. And so I don't know where you are or what time they're listening to this, but I just want you to know that you have a responsibility first to yourself to set the foundation, to set the framework and set the boundaries for your life. And you have a right and you have a responsibility to readjust those boundaries as necessary. Why? Because you matter. You matter to this world, to this plan, to this purpose, to the global community, to your local community, to your family, to your friends, to those who love you. You owe it to yourself to live and to live well. And when I say live well, I'm not talking about going out with the Gucci and the Louis Vuitton. You know, I'm, I'm the kind of person that I like what I like. I'm not a name brand kind of person. It's like, if I like it, I like it. I just, and, and all I can think of is that if I had to buy a name brand purse, it would have my name on it. I, I kid you not <laughs> that I have never bought a name brand purse. And if I did, I would want to find a way to put my name on it. So I just, <laughs> I I just like the fact that we exist in this world and we can be who we are. We, we are exactly who we are and sometimes we get caught up in things and situations and circumstances that take us off track. But even when we get off track and we come back on course, we get a chance at grace. Five times you went to college and the fifth time you succeeded. You came out with two degrees. You graduated magna cum laude. You went to get married, got married, you weren't ready to do the work, that didn't work out, but you walked away saying, you know what, the next time I'm going to be ready to do the work. I'm going to be ready to be a wife, not just wear the title I'm going to be a wife. And that's key because when he finds you this time, he will find a wife. He will not find a lady or a woman who's just speaking title and position. Okay, now that's a win. So you go on and you get to the speaking part of it and you have the setbacks and you have to go through reconciling your ego and your emotions and then you come back and you say, you know what? I'm good. I'm me. I, I'm, I'm 
totally, totally, totally okay with where I'm at. I'm going to do this because I want to do this because I want to make a difference. I want these people to enjoy me as much as I'm enjoying them. And in the process, should I win, I win. If I don't, either way, I still won. And that was the change for you because hearing you talk to me and seeing you on stage at the final competition, that was a different person. I don't know if I would have wanted maybe to reach out to you in 2015, but the 2018 you, yes, absolutely, completely and totally. I, if I had been in the audience as a judge, I would have been voting for you. So all I can say is that I've been a judge in speech competitions, and I always do my best to not carry bias. People say we all have biases, but I work really, really hard at not being biased by your color, by anything. Absolutely, I want to hear what you have to say because I love words. I love the sound of words. I love when words, you know, click. Sometimes you can put a, uh, put a string of sentences together and they don't click. But when you put a sentence together and it flows and it builds and it has momentum, it has a rhythm, it has a pace, I love that. I absolutely love that. So you did that. You won. You won the audience over. You won the world over. And that's why. We're interviewing today, 2018, World Champion of Public Speaking of Toastmasters International. If you didn't know, now you know. So I <laughs> want to thank you again, Ramona, for uh, saying yes to agreeing to being on the show. Now, we talked about your preparation for the semifinals. Okay, so now when you get to the finals, every speech that you've written, you cannot use that speech, the rules of Toastmasters. You cannot use the same speech. And maybe you can only use 25% of a previous speech to prepare for your final speech at the international. And I heard you talk about how you know rearrange some things and things like that. But because they are, I don't know why, but the people who are judging this competition, they know when they've heard mm-hmm. something before. And they are sitting there just waiting to go to 26% <laughs> and, and say, you know what? She said too much of her previous speech. She didn't put mm-hmm. enough new and original material. It's instinctive. They know it. But after you've been to enough speech and I can honestly say after having been to enough speech competitions, you begin to know. You, you absolutely just instinctively begin to know that is not original material. You know, they've used that somewhere else. And so now... I've heard people say that they get all the way up until right before the day that they go up and have to change that speech. So at what point from the time that you took the stage and the time that you finally said, okay, this is this is what I'm going to say. This is my speech. I've rehearsed it, and that's it. I'm not changing another thing. How much time did you have between that time and the time you took the stage? Well, honestly, this time I, I did it a little, um, I guess, non-traditional. I guess everything I do is non-traditional. Usually after the district competition, the speakers who are moving on to the semifinals, they start to prepare their second speech. And I, I did. I had another speech, and I always forget the name of it, but in one of my previous interviews, I said the name of it. It was, it was just about when I was 25, how I thought I knew everything. And so I was going to do that speech. That was a speech that I was going to do. But after the semifinal and getting off the stage, I was able to connect with the audience 
in a way where I was able to get to know them better, and I understood that the the speech that I wrote in my living room by myself was not going to be the best fit for this audience. This audience, they liked to laugh. They were kind of open and relaxed, and I wanted to give them what they came there for. People fly from all over the world to come to these Toastmasters conventions, specifically for the speech contest, because that's like the highlight of the weekend, and they want a show. They want to be moved. They want to laugh. And so Thursday night after the semifinals, after I won, I decided to just come up with a completely different speech. So I scratched the one about when I was 25, I thought I knew everything, and that's when I started to rewrite uh, Unbreakable and turn it into Still Standing. And so the speech contest was going to be Saturday afternoon or Saturday morning, and I was I had to start to write that speech Thursday night. So I didn't really give myself a whole lot of time, and I kind of started to panic a little bit. So I called one of my club members, and she told me to just lay down, just relax, don't think about it, don't write anything, lay down. And in the morning, see how I felt. The next morning, the boxing thing came, theme came to me, and it was it was I was just writing from there. I was writing, 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 writing. Finished the speech. I called the lady back from my club. Her name is Heidi Caperson. So I called Heidi back, and she is like a, a, a English genius, and she's a writer and she's an editor. And we went over it. We went over it together over the phone. I was in Chicago. She was in Houston, and I I read her the speech, and she said, you know, take this out, or this doesn't match with this, and say it this way, and we did that, and then I had uh, my district leadership, three women, in a room with me, and we were practicing the movements and the choreography and, and making edits then, and it was like a whole day of just putting in work, and then Saturday morning, I got up at about 4 o'clock in the morning, I had memorized the speech, I memorized the choreography, and I just started practicing at the hotel, and and I practiced a lot. <laughs> I would say maybe that morning I practiced about 20, 25 times. Overall, probably about 100 times in just in, in total. And then I know that I'm ready when I'm disgusted with the speech. Like when it's like, oh, my God, if I say this again, I just want to jump out the window. <laughs> and that's how I know I'm ready. So that's kind of like my process. Yeah. I was I was riding along with you and that whole thing was like the way that you explained it I could see it and and I've actually seen um, some outtakes of the day before the competition that I have um, the DVD material of that and some of the things that the guys are doing and the girls are doing in the hotel room preparing for the mm-hmm. <laughs> day before and I remember hearing this gentleman that was on the stage when Sonya Rundle won, and his prep led him to just really shock him because he had gone through an amputation. And oh, he had, I remember he had, that. Was that movie remember that? that? Speak? Yes. The movie he had speak, so yeah. much on the line, and when he came out and he told the audience, he said, oh, there is nothing like the smell of a brand new foot. <laughs> 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 Oh my God! Okay, and then you know he he showed them you know that he was uh, wearing a prosthetic. The people just cracked up because before he was panicking, leading up to it, he was having a panic attack. And but when he got on stage and he just cracked that joke, he just settled in, you know. And he had so much writing on that um, performance for the judges, and I really felt for him. 
But at the end of the day, she said something. I, I watched um, the movie that they did uh, called uh, Seat, right? Mm-hmm. And they showed him coming full circle. He says, you know, the reason why I didn't win is because I was so sure that I was the best. He, he was he he was conceited, his ego, everything. He said losing was the best thing for me because out of that, I was humble. And I had more opportunities presented to me than if I had one. That was mm-hmm. his takeaway, is that I know that I, I, was, I was a sore loser. He hated losing, and it showed. You know, when, when they announced Sonia, I mean, he got up and he, just, he was just so hot and so angry. And the people saw that. And I believe that, just like you were talking about, when you went, the people picked up on that. And that's something that he had not considered was working against him was the fact that he felt like he should have won. And when he didn't win, he walked away very sore and very bitter about it. But he went through a process of, of being humble, and it worked out for his good. So I think being in the speech competition, the one thing that I can say that I have observed in the years that I have been observing the Toastmasters speech competition is that everybody – get sharpened. They either get sharpened, they get broken, they get better, or they get bitter. And there are some people mm-hmm. who just flat out refuse to heed the warnings and they just get bitter. But the majority of them get better. And in getting better, then it's no longer about the win. It's just about the doing. But like I said, mm-hmm. I have not given a speech beyond the club level. Because I wasn't ready mm-hmm. to do it. And I'm not sure that I'm ready now. But the fact is that I've just been a student of Toastmasters. You know, got my distinguished Toastmaster, did all the other things that I wanted to do, and at the same time had, you know, some setbacks and things like that. But even now, it's like for the joy of doing it, that's what I want. I, I want to feel the joy of doing it. I, I just want to have the experience of saying, you know, um, I spoke at my area club. I didn't win. I'm okay. And mm-hmm. I've given speeches at my area club and won and been asked to do other things and go speak at other places and stuff like that. But it's just like, it's like that new foot smell that he talked about. <laughs> it's, it's something about doing it, absolutely doing it and being it. And I've been giving speeches since I was a little girl. I never saw how you say, just like you talk about somebody other than Martin Luther King and Medgar ever, and, you know, people like that that you would see on TV and John F. Kennedy and Robert F. Kennedy, all those, you know, standing behind the podium giving speeches. I remember seeing those. and But I think the biggest influence that I can go back to is probably Paul Robeson. I didn't know who this big man was that was speaking so articulately. And mm-hmm. I just hung on every word. Don't ask me what he said anymore. But when I would see him on TV and he was speaking, I was fascinated because normally on TV I would see the, the, the buck and shuffle, the hustle, and, you know, the old master this and, you know, this. But here was a man of color he was articulate. He was, you know, standing tall with his shoulders back, and he was walking in command of his face. 
And I think that that was, you know, when I fell in love with words more than anything else was the way that he said his words was just something so profound to me. But still, when we come now and we're in the second half of the show, I'm going to go back and see if he has any more questions. I'm sure he does. And let's see what he has to say. Hello? Hello? Hello, caller, are you there? Do you have any questions for Ramona? Are you on mute? Okay, I'll come back. This has been this has been more than I expected. This is awesome. This is absolutely awesome. And I feel so grateful and so honored to be coming on the show and doing this. And, you know, when I reached out to you and you said yes, I was like, oh, my God, she actually said yes. <laughs> and, you know, I, I'm just that person that's like, I'm going to ask you because I don't know any better than not to ask you. And all you can do is say, you know, <laughs> I'm going to ask for the interview. And when you came back and you said yes, because I didn't know what your schedule was. I couldn't find what your schedule was. And I'm thinking, okay, well, maybe she has some downtime, and all I'm going to do is just send her this message and ask her if she would come and be on the show. And I think it's going to be a great transition because I don't know if you've heard some of the other shows that I've been doing prior to yours, but I've been talking to men who have been abused, men who have been abused emotionally, physically, financially, sexually, and turning the conversation to them to basically bring knowledge. And the reason why I did that is because Ramona, believe it or not, I grew up in a household watching men being abused. Mm. And I was a member of a family I was adopted into, and it was like, you know, three sisters, and they were all physically, emotionally, financially, and sexually abusive to their husbands. And these were not little men. These were not little men Mm -hmm. at all. And I, you know, talk about how the analogy of an elephant, how they're trained to believe that they can't escape, that they can't get away, because the trainer has told them in their mind that they are confined, that they can't get away. And when I talk to these men, I hear the same thing. They don't realize it, but they've been conditioned to believe what their abusers have conditioned them to believe. They bought into the lie. And so it's like when you would whip a dog for maybe not using the bathroom in the right place. And then when he does go and he uses it in the right place and you give him a treat, you reward him, and then he's happy, right? And then he's looking on your hand and he's just there and he thinks, oh, you know, you love me so much. And then the next time he gets hit and you don't give him a treat, he's still expecting you to give him a treat. So now he's going to perform for you to persuade you to give him that treat. It's the same thing in relationships. And, and broken relationships and broken relationships and broken situations and broken 
hearts and broken minds and broken souls. And because I was silent as a child, I, I didn't have any power. And they were silent. They were adults. I always said I wanted to do something to help them. They couldn't help me, and I couldn't help them because they had all the power. The women had all the power. And if they tried to help me, then they would be beaten. And I would look at that. It's like, you know, I'm over here getting beaten. I'm a child, and you're getting beat, so I know that you aren't going to help me. I know that, you know, you're being talked to crazy, so I know you're not going to stop her from talking to me crazy, right? So living inside of myself, wondering, okay, when am I going to be able to get out of this? When am I going to be able to change my life? Um, I lived for the age of 18. I mean, <laughs> that's what gave me hope was that one day I'm going to be 18 and I'm out of here. And I woke up the morning of my 18th birthday and I was out. <laughs> uh, it was like the night before my birthday. I was like, this is what I'm going to do when I wake up in the morning and this is where I'm going to go. But I know that I'm leaving here. I'm done. I'm done. They can't threaten me. They can't, you know come and get me, they can't bring me back, nothing, I'm on my own. But growing up in that environment, you would think that I would have been an abuser, but I wasn't. I ended up being in abusive relationships, but the power that they had exerted over me put me in that position to where I guess somewhere in my mind I felt like I owed it to the men to let them do the things that they did to me because of what I had witnessed being done to the other men. So I thought it was my my payback. You, you know, uh-huh. as a child, uh-huh. you know, you try to figure figure out what's going on. So now on my platform, I'm I'm building and I'm laying this groundwork, I'm laying this framework. So I know that it still exists and I know that it's still happening for them to feel safe, not to be ridiculed. I don't care about any of the extraneous things. I want them to get their voice back because their voices have been silenced, their voices have been lost and. In the wake of the movements and the other things that are going on, they aren't coming forward. But I have men either direct messaging me, having conversations with me, telling me, you know, thank you for doing this. I'm not ready to talk about it, but thank you for doing this. Thanking me for making it possible for them to speak up and be heard. And that's what's important to me because we've, you know, we've turned this thing around in our community and we bought into the American pie and now we have generations of men who are just damaged and broken and wounded and tossed to the side and wandering in the streets on drugs, you know, just all kinds of things, incarcerated, everything and it's almost as if even though we left the plantation, we left slavery, we still have a form of slavery that is still holding on to our people. And it's important to me. Yes, ma'am. So it's important to me. It's important to me to make it possible for people to come on this platform and speak the truth and speak and be heard and not be put down or ostracized or condemned or punished or are just, you know, further humiliated. So I, I lay open the door to welcoming people who have overcome difficult things in life because there is life after. 
You've proven that there's life after four college dropouts. You've proven there's life after a short divorce or marriage. You've proven that there's life after a failed competition. There, you've proven over and over again through what you're doing, what's your life, and what you're saying, what you have said, and what you will continue to say is that there is life after. And this is the message that I'm putting out here on this platform to anybody who's going through, that's experiencing any difficulty, anything in your life, there is life after, but you have to stick around for the life after. You cannot choose to say that I can't take this anymore. I'm just going to, you know, off myself. I'm just going to leave. Nobody's going to care. Yes, people do care. And so I'm telling you that you are loved, you are appreciated, you are respected, you are welcome here on Patricia Adams Live. And I want to thank our guest again, Ramona Smith, the 2018 World Champion of Public Speaking, Toastmasters International, for coming and unfolding her journey with us, unfolding her story, unfolding whatever it is that she's doing. She's doing it now with a different mindset, and that's to be connected. So, Ramona, how would you like for people to connect with you? Um, Instagram is good. Facebook is good. Instagram is at Ladybug Speaker. Facebook is Ramona J. Smith. Or you can send me an email, theladybugspeaker at gmail.com. I read something about you getting the nickname of the Ladybug. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Actually, they call her the Ladybug. And I wouldn't want to say anything about it because it's not prevalent in your, your media. So I said, you know, if she brings it up, then we're going to talk about it. So how did you <laughs> become the Ladybug? Well, when I first joined Toastmasters in 2010, I had a like a amazing president of my club. She became like my speaking guru, and she told me I needed I needed to brand myself. And she said that um, find something that you that that you connect with. Find something that resonates with you, whether it's an animal, a symbol, a color, something, and try to find a way to brand yourself. And so I went home, did some research on some different animals and different things, just looking up what the meanings of certain things. And I just like the story of the ladybug. I like that she's lucky. I like that she does a huge job in agriculture but doesn't have to get a lot of praise for it. And I, I like the fact that if a ladybug landed on you, you wouldn't kill it. Most likely you wouldn't kill it. But if a big, black, crazy, hairy-looking spider landed on you or a nasty, white, transparent spider landed on you, you will probably slap it or try to kill it. But ladybugs are just... I don't know, I just, I just like them. They're nice creatures. I think you might be on mute. Can't hear anything you're saying at the moment. I wanted to say, Ladybug, that I have a collection of Ladybug pins. Oh, wow. I love I love to wear scarves. So on my scarves, sometimes you know I will pin a certain color Ladybug, or sometimes I would just pin a trail of Ladybugs on my shoulder, and <laughs> I just 
you know, I just loved um, seeing them. And I think my favorite one is the red and black one. I think it is just like the way that it shines. It's just, it's really beautiful the way that they were created and designed. So I want to go back and see if our caller is still holding. He's still holding. Like, for instance, he has another question because we are in the final quarter of the broadcast. And we will see what he has to say. Hello? Caller, are you there? Do you have any questions for Ramona? He's still there, but he must be on to something else. But I know he's still there listening. I see him in the uh, platform. Ramona, okay, so we're in the last quarter of the show, and it has been, again, a pleasure having you on. And I want to just recap that if anyone wants to connect with you, please tell them how to connect with you. Connect on Instagram. My Instagram handle is at LadybugSpeaker. The same as Twitter, at LadybugSpeaker. Facebook is Ramona J. Smith. Or you can email me at theladybugspeaker at gmail.com. Okay, so her brand is Ladybug. Mm-hmm. So on Instagram, you are at Ladybug Speaker or the Ladybug Speaker? Just Ladybug Speaker. Okay, on Instagram, she is at Ladybug Speaker at her Gmail account. It is the T-H-E Ladybug Speaker at gmail.com. And on your Twitter page, again, it is Ladybug Speaker, and on Facebook, it is Ramona, Ramona, sorry, J. Smith? Yes. Correct? Okay. All right. Correct. So, all right, again, it's been a pleasure, an absolute pleasure, and you're also an author. I saw that, and you didn't mention it. So, do you want to talk about, (laughs) want to talk about that? I wrote a book a few years ago, but it was before I had any education. It was before I had all these experiences. So I haven't promoted that. I, I'm actually working on three books at the moment, an e-book and two tangible books. The e-book is just going to be like my top ten tips on public speaking, and the two actual books will be one is going to be about my experience in Ghana. I studied abroad in Ghana for three weeks, so my experience as an African-American in Africa and how it affected me as an African-American in America. And the other one is going to be an extension of the still standing speech where I really go into detail about all three rounds. Okay. Well, we will be on the lookout for those upcoming books. And again, she is writing an e-book and she is preparing to write two and the long book on one on her study studying abroad in Ghana and the other one on the topic of still standing, an expanded edition. And her other ebook is is it on the top ten tips of speaking? Ten tips for public speaking, yeah. Ten tips for public speaking is her ebook. So once again, thank you so much, Ramona, for being on the show and I am just like really I, I have been blessed to have you on, and I thank you for agreeing to come on on Labor Day because 
the next show that I have will be on the 4th and the 10th and another show coming up after the 10th. And I'm in the midst of some personal things that I'm working on myself. But for the most part, it's still getting the voice out to rescuing and healing the broken men, the broken boys. Even, you know, I spent most of my platform on women, the broken women, on healing broken women. And I thought to myself, and it really wasn't a thought to myself, it was like God speaking to me that it was time for me to tell the truth, to tell my story. And I don't talk about my story. I interview people, and I rarely interject my story into it. And I'm still building up to that. You know, I've written about a part of my story, but I just don't promote it. For me, it's like I want to make that connection. I want to be authentic with my audience. I want to build this group of people that hear me. I'm not trying to push anything on you. I'm not trying to sell you anything. I'm trying to tell you that I care and I'm concerned about you and that other people are caring enough and concerned enough about you to come and tell you their story, their difficulties, the things that they've overcome, and that there is life after difficulty. So always be keeping that in mind that the premise and the purpose behind this show is overcoming life's difficulties, and you have been a great guest, and you are welcome back anytime. you connected with me, you know how to reach me, those ladies, you ready to talk about your books and you want to promote your books, I welcome you back on and just let me know and we will make it happen. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you. And so with that, do you have any closing remarks that you'd like to leave with the people? Follow your bliss. Follow your happiness. Do more of what makes you happy. Do more of what feels easy. Everything doesn't have to be a struggle all the time. Do more of what makes you feel good. Do more of what makes you smile. And as always, you amaze me. <laughs> Welcome to Texas by way of Ohio. Thank you. Thank you for being a part of today. This was a great Labor Day. This, this really was a great Labor Day. I always to have Labor Day. So you really made it really, really great. So thank you so very much. And I, you hear me choking up a little bit because I'm, I'm kind of getting teary-eyed and I don't cry. Uh, that easily, but I mean, I really, as we've just been winding down and I've been revisiting a lot of the things that you said, it's just like, wow, you know, um, never underestimate somebody's story, what they've been through and what makes them who they are and how they got to where they are, because you just don't know the backstory. So always keep that in mind when you tune in to Patricia Adam Five, I'm talking to people who are willing to be transparent and tell you, hey, this is what I overcame. This is what I've been through. This is where I believe I want to go, and this is where I'm hoping that you will find a connection with me and you'll want to join me on my journey. So as always, as always, as always, don't make a permanent decision over temporary circumstances. Always know that you have to stay alive to see what life is after a difficult time. Thank you for being a great part of Patricia Adams Live. See you again 
talk to you guys in the future. And I'm going to try one more time because he's still holding. And <laughs> see if he has anything <laughs> that he wants to close out with. And he's been um, really good about uh, giving great feedback. Okay? So just a second. Okay? Hello? Boy. Well, you are really tapped into the spirit. I, I feel like that guy in the shot with John with that song by Shirley Caesar. He said, "Why you, why you? Uh, it's like fire shot up my bones. I want to say something. It's like double death. I wanted to get in between the road, but I gotta wait for you to give me that look." Man, that. Oh my God, I, I, I just have to tell you, I apologize. I don't know if you had tried to open my line. I had a ministry call on the other end, and when they were screaming in the background, I had to calm and defuse the situation, and exactly what y'all said. And this is the power of words. Sometimes you put stuff out in the universe, and it happens immediately. So just listening to y'all gave me some real positive energy, and I want to leave this for your spirit. Uh, every day before I start my day, I have uh, 300 spirits I have to deal with, sister, and I really have a lot of respect for you because I wish I could put my phone on a door and turn it off, but I, I can't. I'm, I'm a pastor, so I have to take the call when I want to. People owe me $10,000, so they got to pray for it. It still has to be a real prayer and the right energy, so it's powerful what you do, and I give kudos to you. The energy that you have on this platform today is going to be transcending for the next 150 years, again, with digesting information at 280 characters every 15 seconds. The cloud never sleeps, it never dies, so when you put it out here, it might be four or five callers live on the line, but it's millions upon billions of people that's going to hear this. So I want to leave this to y'all spirit, and I definitely want to make sure that I, I cover uh, Sister Ramona because you're going into a whole nother platform of power. Uh, the, the biggest thing, the biggest thing with this situation is we all have to remember we one step away from our success, but we got to remember when it comes, we have to speak it into existence, and we have to say the right thing to make it and close it. So these power words, this is for your spirit. This is for your mind. This is what I read every day to start my day. Jumpstart, kickstart your mind. Kickstart it with the right energy. And I want to read this to you. And it goes, this is the day, my day. I will control what I can and release of that what I can't. I will be power. I will, I will be confident in my words and in myself. Resilience will trump rejection. Favor will overcome frustration. For every yes, for every yes, for every yes. I have secured a victory. For every no, I have planned a seed. Every contact is a new opportunity, a new challenge, a moment of truth. I am important. I make a difference. I am blessed from above, inspired by those around me. I am powerful. I am loved. Each humble moment, I am thankful. For I have become stronger. For I have become stronger. For I have become stronger. This is my day. This is my calling. I'm the voice of the unborn, the sick. The hungry. I am the ambassador of humanity created by the Almighty. Faith before all, I shall prevail. I want to leave that on y'all spirit because this is what y'all did for me today, dealing with that ministry situation. I was taking great notes, getting my cup filled, and I had to step away, but the water never stopped running. So y'all keep running for the Lord. Y'all running for the spirit. And what y'all are doing right now is a moment in history, and I'm glad I was able to share that with you. So I'm teary-eyed too. So, man, y'all blew me away. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you. We received that. And to anyone who is listening out there now, later, or in the future, be blessed. Know that this was all for you. This was all for you with you in mind. Don't know you. May never meet you. But trust and believe that this is 
with you in mind, a global community of people coming together to be encouraged, uplifted, and healed and rescued. So be blessed. Be blessed. Thank you again so much for being part of Patricia Adams' life, and I'll see you again in the future. Thank you. Bye-bye. Amen. Bye-bye. 